I'm Father Dave Dwyer, host of the Busted Halo Show on Sirius XM Radio, the show from which you're about to hear an excerpt. We'd like to provide these podcasts for folks that don't have a subscription to Sirius XM or people that just like to hear the content again and again or are able to share it more easily. But before we get to a great segment from a recent show, allow me to invite you to partner with us to be able to share this great content that we have here in the form of podcasts and over at bustedhalo.com and through our various social media channels with lots, lots more people through your generous support. Right now, we're in the middle of a drive to increase our monthly supporters of Busted Halo, folks that we call our Halo Repair Crew. Get it? Because the Halos are busted and they need repair. And you can help us. This year is the 160th anniversary of the founding of the Paulist Fathers, the religious community of priests that I belong to. And because of that, we've set our goal at 160 members of our Halo Repair Crew. You can help us get there by joining today for convenient and secure automatic monthly donations to our ministry. Find out more and sign up at bustedhalo.com slash join. Mark Wahlberg, thank you. Thank you for joining us here on the Busted Halo Show. Your new movie, movie Instant Family, opens soon. I saw it yesterday. I mean, it really, for me, I think one of the highlights is shining a light on something that not a lot of people would consider, and that is adoption, particularly foster care. My, my sister's a social worker who works in foster care and knows oh. the ins and outs of that system, and it's not easy. So no, it's not. why was this an attractive project for you? Um, well, even before getting into the subject matter, I, you know, I love the filmmaker. Uh, Sean and I had worked on Daddy's Home 1 and 2 together. Um, so Both great. He's such a talented <laughs> guy. If he wants to make a movie and he wants me to be a part of it, more than likely I'm saying yes. Yeah, really? And then okay. I think the subject matter was a plus because, A, it's an important subject. There are a lot of kids out there uh, in the foster care system in need of a home, uh, a permanent home. And so... Uh, there's that and I think it's just a movie that everybody could see and should see yeah you know, and well, it's going to make you laugh and make you cry and well it is I mean I, I've enjoyed uh, lately you've been doing some of these kind of warm and fuzzy family I, I really I thought daddy's home too once you add the addition of the two dads mm-hmm. the granddads that was fantastic yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I like to switch it up I mean I want to you know I want to be able to kind of do it all right except for musicals but I don't want to be told what I can and can't do and, right you know, coming right. from more serious background doing drama and action and right. um, you know there were comedic elements to performances I've done in the past but I love doing comedy it's just yeah. a matter of yeah. finding the right thing because I think if you kind of dive into comedy sure. and it doesn't work then that uh, you're probably not going to get too many opportunities to do it yeah there was uh, even though the, the movie Instant Family is largely autobiographical the, uh, autobiographical of the writer director mm-hmm. Sean Anders there was a line that seemed like maybe hit a little closer to home to you, you at some point in your, your character in the film says, you know, when I was growing up, people didn't think I was, I was, uh, you had kind of a a rough and tumble Mm -hmm. childhood and have started a charity for youth. Was it, did that kind of connect? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once I committed to movie, Sean was kind of writing it for me. Oh, really? He was taking little antidotes from stuff that was happening on Daddy's Home 2 set with, you know, (laughs) me refereeing fights between my wife and my daughter and (laughs) all this because I have a 15-year-old at home. And so, um, yeah, you know, he wanted to kind of make him a more blue-collar guy who was, you know, in trouble, but, you know, he turned his life around. Right. And uh, so he tailored it for me. Right. So when I've heard you describe your life as a story of redemption and yeah. for us on a, on a 
faith-based channel, the Catholic channel. That's largely how we try to see the world, is how can we find stories of redemption. Um, All you got to do is turn to God. Turn to the good Lord and you can be forgiven, mm -hmm. no matter what you've done. If you sincerely want to repent, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you, you've even experienced redemption with people from your past who have wanted to have reconciliation and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I think for, for, for most people that I know that ask me as a priest, one of the hardest things it seems is people offering forgiveness when they've been harmed. And yet on the other side of that, when we feel that, it is, as you're talking about, a, a completely freeing and redem redemptive action. Yeah. I, now, I mean, also, I would never want to be in a position where, you know, something had happened to, you know, a child or somebody and then and then having to face that. Can right. you really, truly forgive? Right. Um, I've met some really powerful people along the way in my journey who have forgiven after horrific things happening and, you know, um, certainly uh, inspired by them. But hopefully, God willing, I never have to face that right. because... But, but I would easy. say it almost feels divine, like almost that we don't have that capacity as humans. And mm -hmm. when somebody does, it's like tapping into God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, your faith has certainly become, uh, it's always been important to you. You were raised Catholic and uh, you're a churchgoer. You've made no bones about that. Is, is it a struggle to find that in a very busy, very demanding career? I mean, a lot of people have busy careers, but uh, I think people no, think that you would be not busy. When it's the, well, not when it's like the most important part of your life. If yeah. it's the yeah. center of your life and your existence and it, it kind of, everything else is kind of second to that but but you know uh works because of that mm -hmm. um then no because that's just how i start my day really yeah. as in start with start, prayer start yeah, say hi to god with the, yeah, with the daily devotional <laughs> prayer book you yeah. know reading then yeah. taking my you know 15 20 minutes to pray get mm -hmm. on my knees and um and and then you know of course going to mass every week and my kids yeah. like dad you don't need to go every day <laughs> do the kids you don't need to do it every day right and like i do but i don't make them go okay what i'm hoping is because i don't want them to resent the fact right right, right? and then rebel against that uh, i just want them to know that it's the most important thing for me and hopefully right. they'll they'll become more and more curious about it and then they'll naturally, you know, gravitate sure. towards it uh, well, in an organic way. Was there a time that it wasn't the most important thing in your life? And therefore, yeah, and oh, what absolutely. changed? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, lots of things. Um, you know, I think, you know, having grown up um, in Boston, Dorchester, you know, every other uh, block was, was a Catholic church and another yeah. parish and a, and, a, and a bar yeah. and a liquor store uh, and a gang and all that stuff. <laughs> I wasn't fortunate enough to go to Catholic school. Okay. Uh, a lot of people in my neighborhood did. Uh, I went to public school, got into a lot of trouble. Um, you were course, youngest of nine? Yeah. So wow. when I got, and then I wasn't really, you know, my parents would want us to go to church, but they wouldn't go to church. Right. So, you know, you You'd go and you get a, a daily missalette and you'd say, okay, yeah, I went, but we'd go to the park and we'd do whatever we were doing. And then when I got in trouble, I was like, oh God, please, just if you, right. if you, if you get me out of this, right. I'll never do it again. Right. Um, and I was, I was saved. I also had to go and, and pay the price for the mistakes that I made. Sure. But it's when I really started to 
to understand that, you know what, it's a good thing for me and started benefiting from it in, in little ways mm -hmm. just helped me deal with certain mm -hmm. things. And I was like, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And then the more I did it, the more good things started happening. And the more I was able to deal with failure, disappointment, loss, all of those things as well, you know, just coming to accept that certain things happen, you know, certain things are out of your control, but the things that I can control are things that I'm mm -hmm. going to focus on and things that I'm going to spend the extra time. And so, I don't know, good things started happening for me, you know. And then when I was ready for the things that I was asking for, God put those things in my yeah. life. Mark Wahlberg is our guest here on the Busted Halo Show, and his new movie Instant Family opens November 16th in theaters near you. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, uh, I believe it's called the Mark Wahlberg Youth Charity? Youth Foundation. Youth Foundation. Yeah. Youth Foundation. Yeah. Um, just, you know, wanted to make sure that I could create opportunities for kids growing up in neighborhoods like me who yeah. were, you know, exposed to drugs and violence, inner city kids, at-risk youth, um, send them to school, send them to camp, know that there's a big world out there mm -hmm. that doesn't consist of just drugs and gangs and violence right. and all that right. stuff. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's been great. We've been able to, uh, you know, because I think especially like where I grew up in Boston, you know, we go back, we go, we're involved with the Boys and Girls Clubs a lot. Yeah. And we go there and they're like, you were from here? And you were able to do what? And right, then, you know, right. they can really, they can really relate to me and identify with me. And yeah. so, um, yeah, hopefully we can continue to do more. You know, now there's this whole opioid crisis going on. Yeah, lots of lots of challenges that these kids are faced with on a daily basis. So, mm -hmm. we encourage them that there's there's there is a lot that they can do to change their circumstances and make their dreams come true. Well, and there's also there's there's challenges uh, there's challenges in the church right now, at least from from my point of view, and, and as a Catholic priest and as a Catholic. And we hear a lot of people that are very hurt and angry and disappointed with leadership in the church, and a lot of people are kind of turning the other way. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to invite people to share with why they, why they stick around, why stay as a part of the church. Well, you know, the church is about one guy. Yep. It's about the good Lord. Yeah. And you know what? Um, that's the guy that I follow. That's the guy that I listen to. And hopefully the people that have taken on the responsibility of, you know, doing his work, yeah. sending his message, are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're influencing people in the right way. Because God forbid they influence somebody in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's a heavy right. price to pay. Yeah. Well, thank you. God don't like that. No, God don't. The Pulse Fathers appreciate your uh, always being participatory in uh, the parishes that we run. So thank you. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of love. You know, I love being an usher and doing the collection at, at, at St. Paul's in L.A. when I can. And yeah. It's fantastic. I, I would imagine that, you know, gives a little pressure to somebody. <laughs> oh, I put it right on them. I put the basket right on them. Thank you. You know, if somebody says, looks away, I said, well, you better have sent it in. Yeah.